your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd, as always. Uh, guys, we're in the era now where it's, you know, voice activated everything, whatever your internet, internet you know, is uh, of choice in the house, uh, your car. Um, guys, ask, press play and ask them. The latest Locked On Browns and the voice activated systems, whether it's Surrey, whether it's Alexa, whatever you got in your car, they will take care of that for you. Um, I love mock drafts, and we're going to do a first round. And, you know, me and Pete have been talking about this over the last couple of days. We'll probably get it in through three episodes or so. We'll get you a full first round mock in here before the combine. It'll be spread out over a couple of days. Um, but, you know, apparently some news dropped today about, uh, what did you say, Pete, five after two? I don't know yeah, where you it was right at two o'clock. Yeah, because I, I I don't know if you were working or you're busy. Because I actually I was like, oh man, because I look it through and I'm like, I'm not seeing anything from Pete here. So obviously you were otherwise detained at the time. Um, but uh, yes, so uh, whoo. Um, and look, the first thing, and we're not going to go deep onto this, guys. You know my feelings. You know Pete's feelings. What we feel about things like this. But this is just another one where it's kind of like Antonio Callaway where you can kind of see it above the horizon and it's going to come and it's going to come and it's going to come. And it came down today and I had a couple people, you know, message me a little earlier in the day. Hey, something could be going down today. And I had asked whether or not it was Kareem Hunt. Uh, Nobody would give me confirmation, but just not really much else can go on right now. The coaching staff is filled. Uh, There was a little thought in the back of my head. Oh no, did somebody screw up? Which, you know, I mean, the off season guys always, you know, find a way to do it in the NFL. What? I'm terribly, not exactly wrong. Yeah, man, I know, but there's always. Well, I mean, just the, the, the question is of who the guy maybe messed up. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, uh, Kareem Hunt, and we'll, you know, look, we'll give some feelings here on this. The football move, we'll also discuss it as well. You know, I don't think it's going to be a long tenure here in Cleveland. But uh, Pete, it's. I mean, to to say surprised is is not a word to use. Um, but Kareem Hunt, one year contract, Cleveland Browns. Disappointed, definitely not surprised. Um, you know, this is something that you, this was in the package coming from the Chiefs. Um, it's a worrying trend with Dorsey as far as it goes with players, specifically with issues involving women and violence against women in particular. So, you know, and like you said, people know how I feel. I, the the people, the only people I feel bad for are the. Uh, you know, friends via this show, via Twitter that we know who are very passionate female fans. Um, some have made their feelings known. Some are basically, you know, too exasperated to deal with this type of thing that it's still an issue uh, that this has to come up and everything. But um, I, the only, you know, the only other part of this that, that fascinates me is I don't – judging by the reaction in the press conference and stuff, and, and props to the local media, I thought they did an outstanding job on this one. Um, and Daryl Ryder. Uh, oh, my know. God. And first things first, guys, uh, and I don't know if I've ever given him a hard time on social media. And if I did, I'm not sure that I did. I absolutely apologize because that dude did not need to drop that tweet today. And you want to know what? God bless him for doing it. And now this is something you know that he'll never have to worry about again. But man, whew, was I taken aback by that? And I have given him a hard time, and this certainly gave me a lot of perspective on that. And you know, if you haven't seen it, I would, you know, even if you're not a person who goes on Twitter, I would, I would make it a point to look up that tweet. Um, obviously, it's it's very heartfelt. It's sad that it had to happen to him. It took a lot of courage for him to to share that, uh, and I hope. You know, and this is essentially what I said. And I hope that him being willing to do that helps somebody. Uh, but not only was he, you know, courageous in that, but he was in the presser and, he, and you know, he had some, you know, they they all, they, it seemed like this was an, a, a time where it felt like they sort of came together and, and figured out how they wanted to ask the questions to really get everything covered. And, you know, John Dorsey answering these questions, I, I, I think it hit him partway through. I don't think he realized this was going to be as big as it was. Um, I, you know, I, I think he understood that it was going to be, you know, a thing that, you know, they made this signing, that it was going to be talked about. But I don't think 
he realized how much this would blow up and and it looked genuinely uncomfortable for him um so that that's sort of where I'm at with that and and then the the, the carryover from from that is obviously a player that has been linked to the Browns endlessly in a joking manner and in a non-joking manner is the idea that the Browns would take Jeffrey Simmons if he's there at 17 who obviously has a video himself Preston uh, Williams out of Colorado State but specifically and the reason I, I mentioned Jeffrey Simmons is because it's the 17th pick it's a very high profile pick and maybe Dorsey's willing to go that route but I'm wondering if ownership is going to basically say at some point be look easy. We, you know, we didn't expect it was going to be this bad with cream hunt. We don't want to go through this again and have another situation where, where Dorsey with another player with, uh, with a documented issue with a woman, uh, you know, that this may be the camel that breaks the, uh, the straw that breaks the camel's back in that respect. I don't know if it will, maybe it won't at all. And maybe, you know, if he's there, and I, I honestly don't think Jeffrey Simmons is going to last to 17, so it may not matter. But that was a wrinkle I did not expect to come out of this. Um, in that, that becomes a discussion where, you know, maybe heading into this, John Dorsey is full speed ahead. And, and, and to be fair to Jeffrey Simmons, the video is awful. And again, you and I, everybody knows where Jeff and I come out on this. Jeffrey Simmons' situation is very complicated in that this video uh, happened when he was graduate had just graduated from high school. It's awful. It's there, words don't even describe how bad this is. Even if you try to play the context thing, which uh, you know people still try to do, but you know since then everybody seems to have glowing reviews about this kid so i would say that this becomes complicated in that respect that was an element of this i did not expect to have happen uh it, well and i will just say with jeffrey simmons if you want to use the and look guys this is it i mean cuz i cannot be hypocritical here so if i say no to any guys with incidents like that i have to say no to all of them but if exactly. you know and a lot of you guys want to say second chance now you want to talk about somebody who may have earned a second chance? It's Jeffrey Simmons, but and like Pete said, I don't think he's going to be even an option at seventeen because of the type of player he is. But go ahead, Pete. Uh, right, and and that the only other thing and, and, again, John Dorsey is awful at press conferences to start, and then you know I don't know if he meant it this way. But my God, did he not say the right thing when it came to Duke Johnson? Oh, that 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 uh, honestly, that looked like a. And look, guys, you guys know I'm married. I was once a kid. That looked like a stumbling upon the right thing to say, and you get to a point where you're like, you want to know what? I don't think anybody's going to believe what I'm saying at this point, anyway. Right, because for and I've gotten this question quite a bit, and and I, I've I've seen people talking about this. Um, a lot. I don't think Kareem Hunt and Duke Johnson are related. I just don't. They do two. They they, they have two very different skill sets. And as you pointed out, look, uh, let's say you are a hundred percent in on Dorsey's rationale that he wants to help this young man figure his life out and get him on the right track. Let's say that. I still don't think you know he's going to be a restricted free agent after this year. I still don't think he's a long you know, long-term thing here. And Dorsey did extend Duke Johnson himself. Not, not, you know, and the other part of this is, is Kareem Hunt is going to be suspended. Just a question of how long. A month to, I I mean, my guess is if I had a ballpark, you're figuring six to eight games. Right. So even if you're sort of trying to put these two things together, which I think is ham fisted first, you know those three backs. If you again, just from a football standpoint, those three backs work really well together. Uh, in, in, you know, in the way you you you'd want to do it. I don't buy the idea that there's not enough touches for Duke. You know, throw him the ball, move him outside. You can make him a space player. Like he's, even if he's you a, don't use him for three quarters, you put him in, in the fourth quarter because he's going to be the freshest guy on the field. Right. So there's just a lot there. I don't connect those two things, but I think it was very. 
bad how he worded it. I expect he's immediately getting a, a phone call or something from Duke Johnson's, Duke Johnson's agent. Oh, no doubt about it. Bro, uh, you just re-signed us a year ago. What is going on? Yeah, so uh, there's that part of it. So the the last thing I say, I, I will say, and, and I'm going to borrow this from Adam the, Adam the Bull uh, of 93.3, who I think hit it on the head. I come in, and, and this is as he said, I have this exact same feeling. I was really, 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 really excited about the Browns heading into the offseason. I'm still really excited about the Browns coming, going into this offseason, into the draft and all this. This signing just sort of eliminates a little bit of that excitement. It, it's a little bit of a, a – the, the word he used and the word – it's a bummer. That's, it, that's, that's what it is. It's just a bummer. Okay, there's a couple ways I'm going to go with this. First things first is you're bringing him back – to the area where he's from. I go back to Dalvin Cook a couple of years ago during the draft cycle, and I talked to you know a, a lot of the big names off record, and a lot of people said, look, I love Dalvin Cook, but you better get him the hell out of South Florida. You better get him as far as away from his people and his friends as possible. Guess what? He's in Minnesota. You know what? Dalvin Cook, other than the injury, has had two fantastic years up in Minnesota. Zero incidents. The organization loves him. Uh, obviously, you know, the coach fired an offensive coordinator because they were not getting Dalvin Cook involved enough. That's how much faith they have in him there. Bringing him back here around his close-knit people, which yeah, may not uh, be and, the best and, thing. And, That's and, not you know, a Everybody's good, different. Some guys do better at home. Other guys, you know, some people the support system is at home. Some people the, the issues are at home. You just never know. But... You know, the fact that this incident happened in a Cleveland hotel certainly gives you some pause. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's you know, and, and we don't have enough enough information on this, but it does become tricky and you just don't know. But, you know, and, and I'm sure there's people sitting out there that are complaining that we're soft or whatever. And it's only, you know, if he, he screws up, it's a roster spot in a million dollars. Yeah, I get that. The the risk isn't the the investment. The risk is your organization, and in this case, John Dorsey's reputation. Um, and look, and there's and there is a bunch of you know, and I, I've seen women. Tw- you know, we we just bought season tickets, things of that nature. It's that message you're giving. Um, and the but for me, the, one of the other things is, and you know, I talked with a couple people about this today. Is if Kareem Hunt maybe played one of the greater positional needs, defensive tackle, was a pass rusher. Um, you know, you didn't you didn't need to go heavy at running back. And look, you didn't contract wise, but you went with a big name who also comes with a lot of baggage. Um, but now here, here's where we're going to get to the football side of it. Kareem Hunt, fantastic, fantastic football player. There's no denying that. What you can look at this, you can look at this a couple of ways. Um, whatever the suspension, and and the thing is, a lot of people trade him, trade him, trade him. If Kareem Hunt doesn't take a down. Before his suspension is over and the trade deadline, all that could be thrown out the window. So uh, there could be a possibility Kareem Hunt, the trade deadline passes, and you get him back for that following Sunday. So it's not like he can increase the value that he has at that point. Um, What ideally, business-wise, what you're looking at is you sign Kareem Hunt. It's one year. He's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. You're looking to flip this into an eventual compensatory pick. And yep. that's the business side of this, um, but I'm with you. You know, it's it was a little bit of bummer, and and the, you know I can understand when you're 0 and 16, 1 and 15, and look, you know it, this may not be a popular move, but you know this is a guy who we wouldn't get to be able to get a talent of this nature otherwise. This isn't the case here. Uh, you've got a really good roster, and everybody says there's no way they're going to make 11 draft picks, but they do have 11 draft picks. You know, and and the thing is, is you know, how many of these guys do you need that you have to go to bed at night and say, "I pray I don't get that phone call tonight." You don't want, you know, it's. I mean, I can understand having one or two, you know, whatever. But you know, if you're going to go heavier than that, you could put yourself in a bad position where a great core of guys who are you know work ethic guys show up day in day out, do the right things off the field as well. But now some of these guys maybe get a bigger role. These guys who are a little bit questionable off the field, something goes wrong, and now all of a sudden it derails what could be a promising season because these guys have been put into key spots 
And look, I mean, if, if Nick Chubb were to get hurt, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to hope for Kareem Hunt to carry the load. But but if something goes wrong, now all of a sudden you're completely derailed. And I, I don't want to go any further on this. But guys, it, it's there's a lot to it here. Um, and the biggest thing is going to be we're eventually going to find out what his suspension is. Look, the NFL could say he's out a year. Kareem Hunt could maybe never wear a Browns jersey ever. I mean, so th- there's a lot to it and a lot to unfold with it. But with that, guys, um, iTunes, rating reviews. Now's a great time to go ahead and leave one. Um, so please, uh, five-star written review, guys. We do appreciate it in that respect. So go ahead. Take care of that oh, for me now for Lockdown Browns. And he's not starting over Nick Chubb. Anyone who really believes that, I, it's just Nick Chubb is better. And he's earned it. Earned it. He has earned it. Um we're going to get in here. Um, guys, like I said, we'll do this over you know three shows or so. Uh, it's kind of hard to do 32 picks in one entire episode. So we'll do the top 10 here this evening. And we're going to obviously break this down. There'll be a lot of focus when we get to the 17th overall pick. Um, but Pete, one thing we've been continuously harping on here about this draft class is it is loaded on the defensive front. Um, the quarterbacks, um, Kyler Murray, uh, and look, God bless Kyler Murray. And it's funny, Pete, this is where it's funny between me and you. Because last year, everything about Baker Mayfield was, oh, man, I just hope he's big enough, Pete. I just hope he's big enough. And now here you are this year. Ah, he's too small. Kyler Murray's too small. Kyler Murray's too small. So we'll see how it plays out. But you want to know what? I think it's the right year for a guy like Kyler Murray. Because if you're just going to watch any of these quarterbacks throw the ball, Kyler Murray's in the conversation with any of these guys. Um, and, you know, and Pete, the old thing, don't count it twice. Oh, he's tiny. He's tiny. And that was a bunch of guys today. He's tiny. He's going to get broken. He's tiny. He's going to get broken. Well, Base him on throwing the ball. I mean, because, look, teams need quarterbacks. There's no way around that. But we're going to leave that for another time. Number one, overall, on the clock, the Arizona Cardinals. And, Pete, this one actually, and for you, I know it's a, a little bit of a surprise here, but and I don't think anybody did anything more for their draft value during the 2019 college football season than this guy. Number one pick for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, Queen and Williams. Uh, and, uh, you know, for the longest time, I had all these people in my men's, and, and there's still people who believe this, think it's Nick Bosa and everybody else. Uh, Queen and Williams is, you know, was outstanding. He was on the field, and he was dominant for a team that, you know, he was clearly the best player in college football, period. I mean, Ky- Kyler Murray, in terms of his sheer dominance and the, and the value of the position, but if you're just talking about one guy – who was just an absolute force this year. Queen Williams was a man. And even if you think those two positions are equivalent in value, like the talent is equivalent, you know, I'm always going to take the guys close to the ball in in this case, in the defensive line, defensive tackle is worth Something more to me. Can, if you can wreck, wreak havoc in three strides, as opposed to five, why not? And you play in a division with Aaron Donald. I mean, you see it twice a year. Um, you play in a division with Jared Goff, who, you know, has his worst issues when it comes to dealing with interior pressure. This is what that guy gives you. He's a game-wrecking defensive tackle prospect, that three technique. They've got a guy in Chandler Jones there. This becomes a really, really nice one-two punch for a team that needs, you know, arguably everything, but he's the man. Yeah, and look, I mean, uh, whether it's double teams, he splits them. And this was even one of the things somebody came to me today about Kyler, Kyler Murray, and he's like, uh, well, Quinton Williams almost killed him. Quinton Williams almost killed about three-quarters of the SEC this year. Um, quick off the ball, uh, low center of gravity, uh, you know, whether it's beating double teams, you know, he's got enough, a, 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 enough speed to chase things down the line. And if you're Arizona, and I mean, what do you have on defense between besides Patrick Peterson – Besides Hassan Reddick, I mean, you need pretty much almost everything. So you might as well go for the gusto up the middle. Look, if there's somebody that wants to come knocking on your door and say, there's a quarterback we want to take at one, by all means, you're Arizona. I mean, if you need everything, you might as well move out of there. But, you know, we're not going to do trades here with this one. But Quinton Williams, certainly deserving of the number one overall pick. Put San Francisco on the clock here, Pete. And, uh, you know, for the Ohio listeners, I I think you're going to get your bell rung here, guys. Yeah, I mean, this largely comes down to what San Francisco seems to be doing on defense. I think if they were, sm- you know, if they were willing to uh, scheme around the talent, I think there, there's a better choice here. But for what they're doing, Nick Bosa, uh, 
they have swung any number of times on defensive linemen, and right now it's DeForest Buckner and some guys. Um, DeForest Buckner is a legit star, uh, but you know they have not gotten enough out of that group. Nick Bosa, obviously another big body. Hopefully they get more out of the kid they drafted out of Stanford. Uh, in addition to just getting, you know, everybody back healthy and they can make, make a push, but you know, they are, again, it's all about who you play in your division and they, you know, Jared Goff obviously is, is the, the class of that division, him and Russell Wilson, those are the guys you got to take down. And then if you believe in Josh Rosen, even though he had a bad first year, largely because of that depleted roster, you've got to find a way to get guys on the ground. And Nick Bosa is, you know, I think he's risky, uh, but, you know, I think it just would not surprise me at all if the 49ers go ahead and grab him. And I mean, I guess it makes the most sense um, you know, with Bosa. I mean, you know, the injuries and everything you hope, you know, you get him completed the combine. Um, look, I mean, and it's I think the Bosa family kind of gives maybe some people in the draft community a, a little bit of pause. Um, you know, Nick had the long holdout. Obviously, Dad was a pro. They do give a little bit of the out for theirs type of mentality. And guys, I mean, just because they kind of broadcast it doesn't mean everybody in the draft. <laughs> it, once you're up in the draft cycle, that's exactly what you're, what you're there for. Um, but it is the case. Um, granted, he did not put up the production his brother did while at Ohio State. Um, a lot of people think feel he's the superior athlete. He's the better player. I don't know if you have enough to say that at this point. Um, is he equal to, um, is he a top 10 pick? Yeah, he is. Um, so you go get him and some may view the fact that, Hey, he doesn't have as much play is a good thing. Um, because he should have the experience with a dad who played an older brother who's currently playing. So, you know, Nick Bosa to, uh, n- number two overall to the San Francisco 49ers puts the New York Jets on the clock. Um, now this is an interesting one. Um, got the franchise quarterback last year. Got him at three overall because the New York Giants um, felt that Saquon Barkley and running him into the ground and achieving nothing was the correct manner to go. Um, the Jets, obviously, Sam missed some time. Uh, looks to be a promising young signal caller. No issues there. Obviously, there's holes to fill with this team. Um, and it, Pete, it's always funny because I tease him and Pete ends up roundabout always circling back to these Jersey boys. But Pete, number three overall, New York Jets. So I, I heard... Today I was listening to Trust the Tape. It's a great podcast. Dan, Dan Brugler and Jeff Kavanaugh. Uh, and and Dan yes. Brugler was raising the prospect of the Jets trading down and maybe recouping some of the assets that they spent to go get uh, Sam Darnold. But as a soon-to-be expatriated Jets fan, what have the Jets, other than quarterback, what have they been looking for for about the last 15 years? They've been chasing it since John Abraham, Pete. John Abraham. And I, I guarantee you there's people who listen to this show who are probably scratching their head right now trying to remember who John Abraham is. Right. So if the, if this is the scenario for the Jets, they should run. Don't walk the card up. Run the card up and get good Josh Allen out of Kentucky. For what they're doing on defense, you know, they, they've been playing an odd front, and maybe that will change with Greg Williams, but they need a guy who can consistently threaten <laughs> the quarterback. They've taken any number of opportunities, uh, Vernon Golson obviously being one of the nightmare scenarios for them. Uh, he, Josh week Allen. Four, week four, rookie year. Vernon Golston, not dressing. It was just the beginning of what was going to be an ugly nightmare. From production to what we expect athletically, Work Josh, Al- Josh Allen is going to be, at least from a what-you-can-prove standpoint, is going to be as good as any prospect in this draft. Uh, it will likely be my second overall player. Uh, he is exactly what the Jets have been dreaming of for years. You know, they basically – look, he may not be quite as good as Miles Garrett, but for the Jets – this would be the equivalent of getting a Von Miller. This is who good Josh Allen is. He's a Von Miller type prospect. Um, and you he know, can pro- actually do a little more, though. I mean, you know, Von Miller, it's pretty much strictly rushing the passer. Josh Allen can do a little more, but granted, you would probably never ask him to do that if you're investing the number three overall pick in him. 
So the Browns obviously got Miles Garrett, then they turned around and got Baker Mayfield, both with number three overall picks. Uh, or number one overall pick, sorry. It, it, with, with the Jets, it'd be getting Sam Darnold, number three, and then turning around and getting good Josh Allen, number three. That feels like the dream scenario for them. That would be sort of their putting you know, this team in, the, in a similar situation as the Browns in terms of their projections going forward. It, that, to me, is the easiest pick to make. A um, couple things here on Josh Allen. Uh, obviously, you know, in Jersey here like me. Um, he's from Orange, New Jersey, which uh, from MetLife Stadium is about 15, 20 minutes away. Um, not the greatest area. Um, Josh's recruitment. Um, Josh was committed. You guys heard him talking about my football alma mater, Monmouth University. That's where he was committed to. Late, late, late in the game, all of a sudden, Kentucky, an SEC school, calls in and says, hey, we think we got a spot for you. So, I mean, you know, I mean, who in their right mind wouldn't? Hey, I mean, I can always go lower. Let me go Let me go run and run for the gold here. Showed up to Lexington, to Kentucky, anywhere between 100 and 195 pounds. Right now, rock solid, chiseled, 250 pounds. Shows you the commitment he's put into his game. Um, what was into the thought process? You know, I, you guys, you've listened to the show. I was very high on him last year. Granted, I mean, as much as we talk about Quinn and Williams improving his stock, Josh Allen's there as well Absolutely. as what he did this season. There is no doubt about it. He probably would have been maybe a top 100 pick last year, maybe. Um, but his sister's also a basketball player at Louisville. They always had had a pact with each other that, look, whatever we do, we're going to take these opportunities we were given by Louisville and we were given by the University of Kentucky with these scholarships. And if nothing pans out for us sports-wise after this, we're going back home to mom and dad, and we're both home and home with college degrees. It was a pact they had had with each other, and it's remarkable to see. Part of it also was his girlfriend was pregnant. Josh Allen's got you know he's got a young baby, so look, I mean, and he did look what he did, and we had talked about this uh, with Kalen Saunders and the Senior Bowl. He probably improved his NFL money, what Pete five seven million dollars with what he did in the twenty nine in the twenty eighteen college regular season. You know, uh, so, I would say it's closer to 15 or $20 million. Oh, actually, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm doing light math here. So you look at that, and you look at what he has done for his child, and this is just the kind of kid he is. He's committed, and you can just see it from the amount of weight that's been put on. And look, this is this would be the guy. And you have that foundational piece in Darnold. You would finally have this guy for the New York Jets that they have been – it's not even they've been chasing. I think they just gave up. Like, look, we don't know what to do. We keep screwing it up, so we're just going to completely ignore it. We'll draft guys to play 3-4 edge who really were 4-3 linebackers. Jordan Jenkins is a nice player out of Georgia. He was never a pass rusher in college to think he was going to explode into one in the NFL. It was never going to happen. Go get Josh Allen. Improve your team. Um, fourth pick overall here, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, it's going to be a big, big Oakland Raiders first round, guys. So get ready to see a lot of Gruden. Get ready to see a lot of whatever. They're going to have a huge presence here. And Pete, you and I have both talked about this guy as possibilities for 17. And you know, some people want to say, oh, a little stiff. And maybe that's the case. Maybe a little stiff. But this guy, every other box is checked. Whether it's production, size, length. In my opinion, he's being undervalued at this point. Well... I went back and forth on this pick, and ultimately, I think Gruden isn't going to be able to help himself. He had this Did guy. Pl- for- oh, they all. Oh, yeah, all right. That, we talked yeah, about this. This was, this was ultimately yep. this was ultimately the the final decision for me. He had him for a week in Mobile. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Mike Mayock had a ton of access to him. I think it starts there. It just keeps growing. Ultimately, they go ahead and and don't get me wrong. This is a position they desperate. They had what thirteen sacks as a team this past year. They had Miles Garrett, you know, as a team um, in terms of sack production. Montez Sweat, defensive end out of Mississippi State. I, I look my theory, and I'm you know we'll see if this pans out. I would be very surprised if the Raiders, with their three first round picks, two of them weren't at the Senior Bowl. Um, it, it tends to be that, you know, coaches tend to want to grab guys that they coached anyway. And there's nothing wrong with that, but, uh, you know, because Mike Mayock is doing all the work and everything, but ultimately Gruden's the one making the decisions. And it's be I think funny how that works. And that's, you know, that's just where I think the tiebreaker can come in. And, and honestly, he's got more 
proven talent than the other guy I considered for this pick. But, yeah, I had Montez Sweat um, certainly higher than a lot of people think maybe he, he deserves to go. But production, uh, as long as his athleticism isn't, you know, a train wreck, he's, he's got a Pro Bowl caliber profile, you know, basically a lot – you know, again, depending on testing, he's going to have a lot of what Bradley Chubb brought to the table last year. So it's not like it's, you know, an insane idea. Maybe there are other players with more talent, but I, I do think that relationship building and, and how John Gruden sort of tends to, to work could be a major factor. And look, and, and here's the thing, and this is what some people say, and this was something that I saw brought up today is, um, oh, well, I would rather have Khalil Mack. Or would you rather have another promising young defensive end, and two more first-round picks. And look, every new coach and now a new GM, you're going to put your stamp on a franchise. W- what did Pete and I say all last offseason? Man, we don't really think you need to do this big of a roster turnover with this Browns roster. They turned over 31 out of the 53. These guys want their mark on the franchise. And you start by getting yourself a pass rusher. And they've got a couple of guys on that D-line. They do. Um, you know they brought in a couple last year. All so. interior guys. That's exactly. The, that's, and that's so now go get now go get the outside guy. Yeah, that's that's the other that's the other part of this, and why I didn't go in a, di- a di- different direction is they they did make some investments. They got PJ Hall in the second round. They got uh, Maurice Hurst, and, and obviously looks, right now looks like a gorgeous pick. Nobody wanted to touch him. A lot of teams were nervous, and he put together a great year and proved that maybe the medical issue is not going to be a medical is not going to be an issue after all. And obviously, you and I hope for the best that it never comes up that everybody's wrong and that it's be, you know that his heart is in great shape for the extent of his career. And obviously, many many years after that, um, he, had that not been a case, he wouldn't have been a fourth round pick. He would have been a much higher pick. So in that sense, the Raiders got potentially two, maybe top, you know, seventy five talents on their defensive tackle. So. Certainly, they could try to go and, and go, you know, super heavy in defensive tackle here, but that's why End ultimately gets a nod. And you know, that's where you started for now. I mean, they've got some things they can obviously they can always add another running back. Jalen Richards, a nice play player. You got Carr. You're going to add a wide receiver here or something somewhere along the line. Uh, fifth overall, and now this is going to be the most interesting one in the world. Um, Jameis Winston's here, basically just. I guess to play out the string, uh, I mean, I'm not sure that Tampa Bay can commit long-term to Jameis Winston. And it, it, for Jameis Winston, it's it's a culmination. It's boom, you know, you try to give him a pass. Oh, well, one into, and now it's just like, well, I mean, do you want to be the guy who hands him seven years and a hundred million? No, I mean, I don't know if any franchise wants to be that team. So it's, it's very difficult in that respect. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the clock here. Um, I think with this pick, and me and you, we've been talking about this one. I think we see the writing on the wall here as far as one guy in Tampa. So if that Tamp- that guy's out, who's coming in? Right. So Gerald McCoy, you know, all this talk is that he's going to be out. Um, and the other part of this is that in addition to Bruce Arians, who I think, you know, if it, if it doesn't work with him and James Winston, he's going to be gone. Uh, I think that's entirely the reason he was hired. Um, they hired Todd Bowles, uh, and maybe Todd Bowles is perfectly happy with an even front and wants to roll with that. Maybe he wants to go with an odd front. The bottom line is they could get one player that could do both. Uh, and that's why I had him taking Ed Oliver. So if he wants to go odd front and put, uh, the big, the big, uh, Washington defensive tackle as a true nose, uh, he could have Ed Oliver be one of uh, you know four or five technique and be a real problem. Or if he wants to stay in that even front, because they've got Jason Pierre-Paul and they've got uh, Vinnie Curry and those type of guys, you know, then then Ed Oliver can be a three tech. And yes, he's undersized. His production is outstanding. He's going to test through the roof. Again, you know, he's an outstanding run defender. And if you can get him more developed as a pass rusher. He's a problem. He, he's going to make plays behind especially the line of scrimmage. Vita, especially with Vita Bay. Right. Like, it's a nice setup for those guys. Um, they can, you know, if he stops to run like the way he has, they've got a wall there. They've got a bunch of quick linebackers behind him and then guys who can get off the edge and, and pass rush a little bit. I mean, in, in a world where Jared McCoy is in the plans and in, in, in the fold, you know, this pick might be a defensive end just to really hammer that position home. 
But if Gerald McCoy is not there, that's a massive hole on the defense, on a uh, defense that had issues already. So that that's where I'm at with that, at Oliver. And this is probably a surprise to a lot of people, but he's really, really good. And I think when he tests, uh, you know, assuming he's not 270 pounds, um, I think he's going to, you know, give his give his stock, you know, the, this year's marred by injuries and all that stuff. Um, I think when he runs and flies around and you see him moving around, if he's close to like 280 or, you know, 285 would be the dream. He's going to suddenly make everybody go, oh, right, that that guy. And suddenly he's going to be, you know, reinvigorated in terms of where people think he's going to go. And maybe that may have been part of the thing with him being at Houston. Um, maybe he never had to face the pressures from a coaching staff like he would have, you know, say he was at an SEC school where there was like, look, we think you're the most talented dude in the room, but you better get your ass to 290 pounds, and we need it, and we need it now. Um, but, I mean, you know, what you talk about with the NFC South, uh, I think of running backs like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you got Vita Vea absorbing blockers and quick in his own right. Uh, Ed Oliver's going to be able to chase these guys down behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I don't know if you necessarily want a 330-pound tackle, D-tackle, thinking they're going to be able to stop these guys. Those are two guys, yeah, the running game that they bring could easily be eliminated by that combination in the interior. And look, if you're the Buccaneers, you got to think somewhat defensively. Uh, how are we going to stop these teams we're playing from scoring? Um, yeah, they had a run last year where they were putting up a ton of points, but eventually that, that well ran dry. So worry about the defense and you know not getting rained on week in, week out. Brings us to pick number six overall. And I think I agree with your pick here because I think the sentimentality for the New York Giants is, is Eli's fine. We're good. We're good. It's fine. Even if it's not, you know, they pass on that quarterback class last year. That quarterback class they passed on. And then they're going to come back. And th- it just doesn't fit who they are and who they've hired. It doesn't fit their GM, uh, Dave Gettleman. You know, I don't think it fits Pat Shermer. I don't think they want to take Saquon Barkley and then turn around and say, we're going to take a quarterback and he needs to sit for a couple years or whatever. And Saquon Barkley is potentially using the best years of his career without a quarterback. Like it's, it doesn't like, you, you, you know, the general manager thing, it doesn't fit in terms of schedule. Um, I think they're far more inclined to go get a Joe Flacco. I think they're far more inclined to go get somebody who can help them right now and get them to being, you know, an eight and eight football team, which unfortunately is how the Giants think in some respects. They do not like being bad, uh, and they're okay with being mediocre if it doesn't mean being bad. With that all in mind, and, and they could you know, certainly surprise me, but I, I don't think they're going to take Haskins. I just don't. I know you don't either. Um, so with that in mind, you know, they run an odd front. You know, it could switch up a little bit. They've got Olivier Vernon on one side. They signed Kareem Martin to the other side. I, you know, I don't know if that's really an answer. So I went ahead and gave them Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson. Certainly, he can play with his hand on the ground. He's light on his feet. He can drop if he needs to. Certainly, that's not really something you're going to want to ask him to do too much. But he can do a little bit of that that stuff where you're asking him to be out of a two-point stance. He's an athletic speed guy, even though he's got a lot of size. And if you get more power to his game, he's going to be that much more of a threat. But this dude is unbelievably quick. I And, and I think it, some people are still underrating how good he is, in part because of you know, every the, the amount of attention Clemson got as a whole. Of those guys, he's the deal. He's the star. Um, I expect he's going to test really, really well. His production is good. Uh, again, he looks like a Pro Bowl guy. Uh, the Giants love to take defensive linemen. Anyway, historically, regardless of the staff, I think it's a great fit um, and, and potentially gets that defense back to where they you know need to be. Look, if they don't go quarterback, it, it, I even think now the Giants fans are to the point now like, uh, yeah, we don't have much faith in Eli. And look, it's great that he won two Super Bowls, but it doesn't buy you two decades. It just shouldn't. Um, 
as far as whether it's a Haskins or a Kyler Murray, the Giants have had one quarterback start one game who was not a white quarterback. So I don't know if it's an antiquated way of thinking. Dwayne Haskins, he has New Jersey roots. He And yes, he did his high school ball down in Maryland. Um, was from an area of New Jersey called Highland Park. I, I know people that know his father. It would make sense. I just still don't think the Giants believe that quarterback is the issue. And that's fine. And and if they don't address it, they still could be here in the top 10 again a year from now with still without a quarterback. And now you've burned two years of Odell Beckham on his contract extension. You've burned two years of Saquon Barkley's career. And you're still drafting top 10 and you still need a quarterback. So, I don't know. I mean, the Giants, they're, they're a tough, tough organization to figure out how they do things. They are so stuck and antiquated in their ways. And that was one of the biggest difficulties with hiring Gettleman as the GM. It was, he's the perfect GM for the Giants to continue to not look at things the way most NFL teams do in 2019. Um, guys, the Locked On NFL Net accounts on Instagram, Twitter, um, everything from every show, every host is pumped through both those accounts. So you're looking for more information, you know, anything coverage-wise, uh, Instagram, Twitter, locked on NFL Net, guys. Go ahead, check those out. That brings us, Pete, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, really interesting, because now here you talk about a team that lost a tight one in the AFC Championship two years ago. Flat on their faces. Um, you know, the extension for Blake Borders, uh, you know, I, I guess I understood it at the time. Look, I mean, he had gotten you to this point. Even though everyone and their brother still felt he wasn't the answer, uh, nothing came even close to going right. Leonard Fournette, uh, yeah, I could have been in better shape, which is something you never want to hear from a guy that you had put the number four overall selection in. You know, the previous draft season, just an absolute crap fest. Jacksonville Jaguars, what's what's going to at least start to right the ship back to where they were? Um, like the Giants, I don't think they're going to bite the bullet on a quarterback uh, in, in in no small part due to the fact that this class is not game one ready. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars are looking to win now. Uh, they were looking to win the last two years. Um, you know, maybe they're super ballsy and going to take Kyler Murray because they feel like he can hit the ground running. Haskins is a year away. You know, Locke is... I don't know if he's ever um, the, <laughs> you know, the, this just isn't a quarterback class to get a guy and go. So first and foremost, I think the Jaguars are the, the team who, who stands out to say, you know, we are open for business to trade down. We will, we will take up assets uh, potentially to ma- make a big play for a quarterback in a class they feel better about or what have you. But being that we're at seventh pick, I've seen people bandy about the idea of taking a defensive tackle here. Uh, Maybe they're going to move on from Malik Jackson's contract. But even if you do, Marcel Darius is still there. Avery Jones is still there. They drafted Taven Bryan last year. They've got a lot of dudes. And and the same goes with defensive end with Calais uh, Campbell, Yannick Noah, and and so on and so forth. Um, So the... I came to the conclusion of Byron Murphy from Washington, and it's not only because of the possibility that maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars ultimately move on and trade Jalen Ramsey. It's because of all the positions he can come into play right now. Uh, obviously, Ramsey and Ramsey and Bouye are your dudes on the outside, um, and you draft a guy in Murphy that could come in and ultimately be one of those guys. But right now. You can imagine a three-corner setup with, you know, Ramsey Bouye on the perimeter, and you put Byron Murphy in the slot, and just erase teams' passing games while you're getting pressure. Um, I think their linebacking core is a little bit overrated, um, so getting one of those guys off the field would help. But, you know, I, I think when, when Jacksonville – and part of this is the talent of, of the draft. But generally, in Jacksonville's case, when they – you know, when it feels like they want to get back to being who they are, 
that means playing defense. And Byron Murphy would give them a guy that sort of reestablishes them as, you know, the best defense in the league, arguably. Um, well, first things first. I mean, you, you think there's the connection possibly of the Jacksonville Jaguars to maybe a Joe Flacco. Um, it definitely seems with the Jaguars, even if you want to draft a young signal caller, that's a possibility. But, I mean, this team is built to contend now. So I'm not sure you – and like you said, with Kyler Murray hitting the ground running, maybe that's not the case right away because, look, I mean, Kyler Murray, he's going to need to put on some weight, whether or not he can do it fast enough. It's a question mark. Um, but now the pick with Murphy, what are you looking at here? We've got to be able to contend with the Indianapolis Colts. And throw the, Andrew Luck, healthy, throws the pill all over the field. Uh, the Houston Texans, granted two of these guys will be coming back from an injury, but you are talking New Hopkins. You were talking Fuller. You are talking Demarius Thomas. You got to cover those guys. I mean, any one of them are, are, are legit concerns on a day as long as these guys come back from their injuries. So Byron Murphy makes sense there. Um, I still don't want cornerback at 17. I love Byron Murphy, the player, guys. It's never been an issue of that. Uh, but yeah, who knows? That's you know. We'll talk about that when we get to pick 17. And as we roll on here, you get to the Detroit Lions and... The Detroit Lions, um, I, I don't know what to say. You've kind of already wasted away most of, most of Matthew Stafford's career. You've got Carrion Johnson, which looks nice. Uh, Kenny Galladay looks like a, a big-time, you know, 85, 1,200-yard guy. I mean, so yes, you could add offense, but you also are also facing Green Bay. You are facing the Packers. You are facing, facing the Minnesota Vikings. You have some nice things on the interior. Matt Patricia is your head coach, who is a defensive guy. Go ahead, Pete, because I, I actually like this pick. And the reason I like this pick is the emphasis of where you are placing him. Uh, right. I, and I, I agree. I think, you know, and Jeff Risden, obviously, he, he covers the Browns for Browns Wire. Obviously, he's a big Detroit Lions fan and, and does Lions Wire. And he sort of highlighted this the last couple of days, talking about how, how, you know, good they've gotten – uh, their play has been at defensive tackle. I mean, you have they're, Desmond Harrison. It doesn't matter who else is there. But there are other guys there, but they're lacking elsewhere. Um, and, and Ezekiel Anza is all but gone and certainly, you know, has not played well dealing with injuries. So defensive end is the big thing they need. And certainly Matt Patricia is no fool in terms of at least that part of it understanding that they need somebody who's going to be able to attack the quarterback. Uh, I gave them Rashawn Gary, uh, defensive end out of Michigan, and there's a couple reasons. Um, first, I think Matt Patricia is the ultimate guy who's going to talk himself into being able to get everything out of Rashawn Gary, which physically is just immensely gifted. Um, thick, you know, built like the size wise of a Chris Wormley, but just so much quicker, stronger, faster. But his career has just been sort of wonky in terms of him messing with his own body. You know, he at one point was 287 and looked like he'd be a great three technique. And then he lost a bunch of weight getting, trying to be a defensive end. But this also uh, wouldn't be the first New Jersey guy to go to Michigan and then not really sure or have an established plan with him as to what they were going to do with him on defense, Jubril Peppers. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I, I'm, I'm giving Matt Patricia credit as a defensive guy that he's going to be able to find ways to use Gary that's going to sort of maximize him. You can move him around. You know, I don't know what he's going to weigh and all that at the combine. I don't know what Matt Patricia would want him to weigh. But I think, you know, in the same way the Patriots have been able to use Trey Flowers and get so much out of him, I think, you know, the Lions can do some, some similar things with Rashawn Gary. There's some risk here uh, in terms of, you know, his production and, and, and just the way he sort of handled himself. But uh, in terms of his football career, I don't know anything about personnel or character, but uh, he's – you know, in, in some ways, you just look at, at him as a big ball of clay that somebody like Matt Patricia and company in Detroit would love to mold. And maybe this is the perfect perfect coach and perfect place for Rashawn Gary to go. Um, so that's why I end up – and the other my other point is I, I'm not in love with Rashawn Gary. 
everybody seems to think that somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to take this dude super early um, and, and and make him a high pick. I, I've seen him as high as four, three. and this was I think I well, three. Somebody said three, but. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, for example, had him going four to Oakland. And, at, you know, when I initially started this, I did consider this, those were the two guys, Montez Sweat and Rashawn Gary were the two guys I was uh, flipping around with that. So, yeah, Rashawn Gary, Michigan, going to the Lions. Um, and this is the thing. Um, and, and this is one thing, and it seems, whether it's Dane Brugler, whether it's Lance Erling, whether it's Matt Miller, whether it's Daniel Jeremiah, they all keep going back to the same thing. He is going to tear it up in Indy. Um, but like you said, the production, the tape. Now, p- to put the positive spin on it is, um, can he play a base D end? Yeah, he can. Um, now, uh, we mentioned Desmond Harrison, obviously not a big-time pass rusher. So if you get yourself to nickel and dime situations, can he kick inside and do some damage there? He has familiarity there? Yeah. So, you know, and this is, you know, it, we keep going back to this. Whatever teams we talk about, you want six to eight defensive linemen with versatility. They can line up here, they can line up there, and things of that nature. So Rashawn Gary fits that. He can play base the end and, and contribute there. He can kick inside and give you a plus pass rusher inside. And But guys, when all of these guys, these big name guys, keep telling you he's going to test through the charts in Indy, You've got to, you've just got to listen because they're just not grasping at straws. I mean, they are being fed numbers that we're going to expect to see in Indy. Hopefully, these guys hit it because it puts a lot of pressure on them. But these guys aren't just shooting from the hip with this stuff. This is information they're being fed. Buffalo Bills on the clock. I, I, I this one was a little. I'll be honest, Pete. When he sent it to me, it took it back a little bit. Um, I know you love the player, and the first thing I'm thinking is is. Well, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you better find a way to, you know, they have a lot riding on Josh Allen, Josh Allen, so you better protect him. Right. Uh, first, I'd just like to point out that seven of the eight picks to this point were defensive, defensive linemen. linemen. That's, and that's, you know, for Browns fans who are sitting there going, you know, there's going to be a great defensive lineman at 17. This is where I caution you. This is what I, I fear could happen. Um, but anyway, for Buffalo, um, you may not agree with the player, uh, you may like other players, but this is what they have to do. I do agree. One way or the other. 100%. Josh Allen is the is – the, the, God bless him, they picked him. Uh, and they and traded right now, to do it. I mean, he shut up a lot of people. He did. I mean, he needs to stop running. <laughs> he needs to stop running and, you know, he needs to refine the passing game and they need to get him some weapons. But I think he did better than most of us felt he was going to do playing as a pure rookie. I guess. I mean, I, I still feel like he's Ronnie Brown. Uh, in the Wildcat uh, first year. We'll see if he develops. But in any case... He doesn't throw uh, lefty, though. Deion Dawkins is the only credible offensive lineman that team has. They had the worst line. I mean, I know the Texans gave up more sacks, but Buffalo's line was just garbage. Uh, Just in terms of you actually... I I think they got a lot out of awful players. Um, It just... I think that you could easily make the case that Buffalo could draft five linemen in this class and be still not have enough. But I gave them Andre Dillard, offensive tackle, Washington State. If you want to sell me on Jawan Taylor, if you want to sell me on, uh, you know, one of these offensive tackle, you're Cody Ford guy, for example, and you're saying, you know, whatever one you want, somebody who's going to protect. Josh Allen, if they want to keep Deion Dawkins at left tackle, maybe they like Juwan Taylor as the right tackle, maybe like Dillard as the right tackle, whatever. They need more guys up front that are going to keep this kid alive. You already had Josh Allen suffer a, you know, a not small arm injury for a guy who had uh, a metal plate in his shoulder coming into the league. If, you know, any hit he takes needs to be on their schedule. Any hit he takes needs to be because he's doing something that's going to be positive for them, running the ball or whatever. But they need to take, they need to do everything in their power to reduce, eliminate, whatever, any other amount of hits they're taking. And and the other part of this is, look, who did the Jets just take at three? They took good Josh Allen. 
the Patriots, if they can keep Trey Flowers in, in, in tow, you know, you've got to be able to protect this kid if you're going to compete at any level. Buffalo has a uh, has some holes on defense, but their defense is far and away better than their offense. You, you made the plunge with Josh Allen. You gave up extra assets to do it. You better find the right guys to protect him. And it's it starts there. And think about it. And look, and Greg Robinson, it wasn't superior left tackle play. But if you guys and you know, all the Browns, what happened once you had competent left tackle play? Everything took off from there. And it took off in spades. And Pete obviously is higher on Dillard. Dillard, uh, Dillard. Um, guys, whether it was Dan Shanka and me and Pete have talked about this, we're not sure about Jonah Williams at left tackle. Jonah Williams is going to play offensive line in the NFL for 10 years. I'm not sure it's going to be at left tackle. And Dan Shanka, Dan Shanka God bless him, he's got no ass. He's got no ass. True. And bubble butt, bubble butt, bubble butt, if we've learned anything from Mike Mayak, that's one thing in that respect. And we'll close it out here with pick number 10. And look, I mean, this one almost seems, if he's there and they don't have to trade up for him, it seems like this pick has been set in stone, what do you say, Pete, Thanksgiving, maybe, since Thanksgiving? Denver Broncos yeah. are on the clock at 10. I I just wanted on the record that I do not like this guy as a quarterback prospect. I, I, I think this... I think is- he's the perfect, perfect number two quarterback because he can make throws... He can, but there's there's some warts. There is. Um, I I I I don't have a lot of hope for him. Uh, I I but I think this is unfortunately for the Denver Broncos. The, it doesn't seem. It seems almost like the Jets and Christian Hackenberg a couple of years ago in the second round. Well, it was not going to happen, that. and you saw it months away from happening. But he's everything that all of these other quarterbacks John Elway has taken has been. Uh, so it's Drew Lock. He's got a type. It's Drew Lock from Missouri, who looks eerily like Brock Osweiler, who looks eerily like uh, Paxton Lynch. Tall, big arm, a ton of physical ability, can move around. John Elway seems to be looking for John Elway, and uh, you know, people. Maybe this is a big, you know. This is a big ruse, and, and what they really want is to be able to get Dwayne Haskins, who's obviously still on the board. I, I just – John Elway just seems so set on going down with this ship. It just – again, I, I do not think this is the right pick for them. Uh, you know, I think they're a great situation for Dwayne Haskins uh, as they have a quarterback in tow, but – He's sitting there, and 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 I, I, you know, I don't feel bad for Broncos fans because I hate the Broncos. So I hope this happens. Um, but Drew Locke, another quarterback, who will likely be a disaster for the Broncos, and maybe this will be the, you know, strike seven will be the last one for John Elway in, in Denver, <laughs> who seems genuinely unfireable. Uh, but that, Can you that's, fire yourself? I mean, because I yeah. mean, who's going to fire him? Pat Bowen loves him. I mean, so, I mean, this one's for John. Well, I mean, so that would, I mean, if that relationship ever ended, I, I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. Right. So, yeah, Drew Locke and, and what would be, you know, the stunner move of the draft, even though there's so many people linking these two guys, the fact that Drew Locke would be QB1 uh, in this draft, certainly not what anyone would expect, but, and it's so bad that there's people actually now when they're, you know, and, and these are some of, you know, the guys that we respect, Pete, who are possibly penciling in trading up for Drew Locke. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, uh, yeah. They, you know, maybe maybe they'll EJ Manuel it trade down and pick their dude. I, I don't I don't know. But, yeah, uh, that rounds out the top ten. Uh, you know, I don't think Dwayne Haskins will be waiting very long. He might only be waiting 15 minutes, hint-titty, hint-hint. Uh, but that, you know, that that rounds at the top 10. Seven, uh, seven of the 10 were defensive linemen. An eighth was a cornerback. Two offensive players. And, you know, I don't know if I feel good about either being a top 10 quality player, but that, you know, both teams have put themselves in the position where they feel like they have to address these two positions. Otherwise, I think it would be two more defensive players. Uh, yeah, and I mean, and that's and even still, guys, we've talked about Jeffrey Simmons, 
And, you know, if Denver was smart, Jeffrey Simmons could be a play. Um, Buffalo, Jeffrey Simmons could be a play. The, 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 the tape and everything else is there. He will be the ultimate probably wild card in the first round of this NFL draft. It's, it'll be whether or not people can get past that video. And if you want to talk second chances, that's a guy who's going to be interesting in that point. Um, guys, Ben Lockdown Browns. Read Pete Smith's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Obviously, you know, the draft coverage here and, you know, combine, all that stuff. It's going to pick up here all towards that type of stuff. Free agency coming as well. The Locked On Browns Twitter account, we always keep it a follow-back account. I appreciate you guys and everything you bring. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, I appreciate the follow over there. Uh, you guys might want to wait a day or two before you follow that account. It's been a tough day. Um, obviously, we got into the Kareem Hunt stuff. Guys, it's just a stance we take. I'd rather not bring in the guy who can bring in the backlash. And I've said this a million times over. Because if I'm the one who's going to make the decision, I don't want to come home and look at my wife, look at my daughters, and say, I'm okay with that. And that's kind of what it feels like. The other side of it is is the Browns today brought in a fantastic football player. There's the possibility Kareem Hunt may never wear a Browns jersey, may never participate in a regular season game. That's certainly possible. There's also the possibility Kareem Hunt, you see him somewhere around Halloween or later, and maybe can come in and aid this team on a playoff run. There's so many factors that you can look at this with it. But look, you you can't put the genie back in the lamp. Kareem Hunt right now is a Cleveland Brown. However it works over the next calendar year, we're just going to have to take that course as it comes. It's been done. It's, It's in the books. It's here. Um, so we'll just let it go with that. Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.